Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for April 27. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. In this Easter season, it's helpful to reflect on the deeper significance of Jesus' resurrection. Indeed, so life-changing is it that it's also useful to be equipped with answers to questions about it. Ken Handley, a retired Justice of the Court of Appeal in New South Wales, Australia, has commented, Most people who reject the resurrection do so with a closed mind without looking at the evidence. This is irrational and foolish. Jesus, the Son of God who died to make us right with God, is calling each of us into relationship with Him that will involve faith, repentance, forgiveness and obedience. The Christian answers to those nagging personal questions make sense of the cosmos and our place and purpose in it. In the opening segment of John chapter 21, we learn that seven of Jesus' disciples, including Simon Peter, went fishing on the Sea of Tiberias, or the Sea of Galilee, in the aftermath of Jesus' resurrection. However, as they were returning to shore, a voice called out asking if they had caught anything. Receiving a negative answer, the voice encouraged them to cast their nets on the right-hand side of the boat. Even though they didn't know who it was, they followed the advice and quickly found that their nets were overfilled with fish. It is the Lord, John quietly said to Peter. Keen to see Jesus once again, Peter threw himself into the water. John the Gospel writer, as an eyewitness, provides precise details. The boat at this point was in shallow water, being only 100 yards offshore, and the catch of large fish numbered 153. Fabricated accounts don't give such unexpected detail. The disciples found Jesus by a charcoal fire with fish laid out, as well as some bread. Bring some of the fish that you have caught, he said. Come and have breakfast. Jesus not only turned out to be their provider that morning, but cooked and served them breakfast, something apparitions cannot do. John records, It was the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And as we read on, we find that Jesus had a special word for Peter that day. John, chapter 21, verses 15 to 19. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, 
you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? When Peter had first encountered the power of Jesus' words, he had said, as we read in Luke chapter 5, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And on the night of the Last Supper, Peter had said, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death, only then to deny Jesus three times, as Jesus had predicted. Like us, Peter was a sinner in need of forgiveness. He sorely wanted Jesus' assurance. He knew that without Jesus' forgiveness, their relationship would be broken. It would also mean that he could never be what Jesus said he would be one day, catching men and women with God's good news. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Jesus asked him. Three times Jesus asked the question. Three times Peter had denied the Lord. And now three times Peter responded, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Humbled and grieved for his failures, Peter felt the force of Jesus' questioning. So much so that his third response reveals the depth of his contrition. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. The thrice-repeated questions and Peter's answers assure Peter, in front of the other disciples, that the Lord had fully and freely forgiven him. It was a special word for Peter and for us all. Furthermore, Jesus now had work for Peter to do, for with his response to Jesus' three questions, Jesus commissioned him with, Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep, God's people, the children and the adults, the young and the faith, as well as those who are mature in their faith. The imagery of shepherd and sheep bubbles throughout the Bible. In Psalm 23, David speaks of the Lord as his shepherd, and John chapter 10 records Jesus' words, I am the good shepherd. Psalm 100 says, Know the Lord. He is God. It is He who has made us, and we are His. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. And Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11 tells us, He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. Verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 53 begins with a sobering note about every one of us. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned every one to our own way. And then foreshadows what God will do. And the Lord has laid on him, the suffering servant, the Son of God, the iniquity of us all. It's a prophetic word about the significance of the death of Jesus. Christ died in our place, as we read in Romans chapter 5. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15 sets out another facet of God's plans for his people, 
I will give you shepherds after my own heart, he says, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. These words stand behind Jesus' charge to Peter, as well as those of Paul the Apostle in his letter to the Ephesians, when he speaks of God giving various ministries to his people, some as apostles, the foundational ministries, some as prophets, some as evangelists and others as pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. We read this in Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 11 and 12. The ministry of God's Word is the key to effective pastoral care and the growth of God's people. Without announcing God's good news, how will people be rescued? is the question asked in Romans chapter 10. Unless God's people are taught God's truth, how will they grow in their love for the Lord? as we read in Colossians chapter 3. How will we know that all men and women, created equal in God's eyes, are designed to know and love Him and enjoy Him forever? How will we know what true compassion and justice are? Without God's external, written revelation, how will we understand that our reasoning and decisions are so often flawed? God alone can teach us the wisdom we need for life in a self-centred world until the return of the King. In his first letter, Peter says in chapter 5, Shepherd the flock of God among you, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Do you love me? The risen Jesus asks. Feed my sheep. Children, and teenagers, unmarried and married, and the elderly. So let me pray. Almighty God, you have given your only Son to be for us both a sacrifice for sin and also an example of godly living. Give us grace, so that we may always thankfully receive the immeasurable benefit of his sacrifice and also daily endeavour to follow in the blessed steps of his most holy life, who now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, for evermore. Amen. And now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip us all with everything good that we may do His will, working in us what is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. People involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and Carol McCormick, a member of Emmanuel Anglican Church, New York City. Prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978, and the opening and concluding music is from St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you.